Our text tonight is in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 9. Hebrews, chapter number 9. We were at Indianola this morning. Had a good time with those folk. Church is holding up well, and uh, we are grateful for that. Hebrews, chapter number 9. Then verily the first covenant also had ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holy of holiest of all, which had a golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which is the figure of for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of the Reformation. That's our text. We are going to concentrate tonight on verses 3, 4, and 5 from, from this text. We'll pray briefly, and let's, let's consider then what God has for us. Now, Lord, we thank you again for this verse of Scripture. Thank you for what's taught here. Now, Lord, there's no way that I could bring forth any truth at all to these dear folk if you do not empower me by the Spirit of God. I thank you, Lord, that sins have been forgiven because of Christ. And I'd ask now that you would use me to convey great truths to these, to these folk by thy spirit and by thy word. Change us. May our lives be different when we leave than when we came. And so, Lord, do that great work, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> One of these days, the kids are going to say to Don and I, you're going to have to move out of the house. You're just too old. And you're going to have to get something smaller. Now, what we're going to throw away, well, you, you usually keep what's closest to your heart. You know, you accumulate so much. And I'll tell Sandra and Stacy, I'll say, now look, I'll make my bed on my welder, but I've got to have it. I've got I to take that with me. And I'll, I'll use my toolbox as a footstool or a nightstand, but I, gotta, you can't, I can't live without that. 
You know what I'm talking about. You Things that you just have and you want to keep. And they really don't have, you don't have any reason to keep them, but you just enjoy them. I don't know what Donna's going to keep. I know one thing she'll keep is her iPhone. I mean, she just lost without that. But all of us go through that time when we got to just cut down. A few years I was reading this passage. And it struck me, what, if, here, here's this tabernacle and the temple. And maybe you're not familiar with the layout of the tabernacle temple, but there was an outer court where anybody could come in. They could come in this outer court. And there's a laver there to wash and a candlestick and so forth. But then you came to a big veil. This veil was no, it was not like this curtain here. Depending on the historian that you read, the veil of the temple was about four or to six inches thick. It was tall and absolutely weighed tons. It was no small little thing. Well, behind that veil was where God dwelt. He came down and made his presence with the children of Israel in that tabernacle and temple behind that veil. A place of that tabernacle that's called the holiest of holies. Now you know, if you've read the scriptures that the the Bible talks about and David says that that the universe cannot contain God. And yet he comes down in his presence, he begins to dwell, not total presence, but he has his presence in this small room among the Jewish people. And what struck me as I read this a few years ago was, if you were God, and you had to dwell in a small room in the presence of the Jewish people, what would you want with you in that room? What would God want in that room with him at all times? And that's what you have here. The first thing you notice as you go there, we're talking about now things that's closest to God's heart he has in that room with him. Look what it says here. Verse 3. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer. Let's stop right there. First item. Golden censer. That's an item that burns incense. Now there wasn't a piece of furniture for the golden for the incense. What they did was they began burning the incense on the outside of the Holy of Holies, and before the high priest in, they put that golden censer underneath the veil into the Holy of Holies. Well, what does that signify? 
What is there about that incense? What does that mean? Well, it's very clear what it means. If you look with me, and I'll not try to turn to too many passages tonight, but would you look with me in Revelation chapter number 8? Revelation chapter number 8 and verse number 3. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that it should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. That you can see right there. And there are other passages that deal with the same thing. The incense that goes up is a symbol of the prayers of God's people. Pastor, are you saying that God loves to hear His people pray? That's exactly what I'm saying. Does not Proverbs tell us the prayer of the, His people is His delight? The prayer of the upright is his delight, says Proverbs 15, verse number 8. The prayer of the upright is his delight. He loves it when we pray. I don't know how many times I've said to Donna, Hey Donna, have you heard from the kids today? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I talked to Dr. So-and-so and so-and-so. They never call me. <laughs> but the fact is, when we hear from the kids, we so certainly enjoy it. Well, let's ask the question then. Did God hear from his children at Adelphi Baptist Church today? Or is he sitting there waiting for your call? You have children, I have children. I can tell you if any of the five kids or the grandkids call and they're in trouble or they need something, I drop what I'm doing and go. Why? Because it is a special privilege and delight to help the kids. And God loves to hear from us. He loves to hear from us and he loves to supply what we need. Right in behind that veil, they slid the censer of incense, symbol of the prayers of God's people. 
And when you look in the book of Revelation in that passage that I showed you, when that incense, which is the symbol of the prayers of God's people, met the nostrils of God, such power went out from God's throne. They said to the Lord, teach us to pray. Well, that's not a question of methodology. It's, a, it's really a term, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. It's a tragedy that you and I, the great neglect of God's people, no, that's not a correct term. Let's make it more personal. Perhaps you're not in the same condition as I. I it's much easier for me to read my Bible than it is to pray. Lord, what do you have behind that holy of holies that's closest to your heart? Got that incense, prayers of God's people. Look at the second thing. You're back in Hebrews chapter number 9. Verse 4. We've had the golden censer, and the second thing is the ark of the covenant, overlaid round about with gold. Look up at me just a second. The Ark of the Covenant is a picture of Jesus Christ. It was made out of wood, which speaks of his humanity, and then overlaid with gold, which speaks of royalty. Because Jesus Christ is both God and man. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. A covenant is an agreement. It was a, it's a picture of what God agrees to do for us. It's a picture of what God agreed to do for mankind. First of all, it's a picture of Jesus Christ. He, he said that he would save the world if they would let him. But what's interesting, this description here, as we go in the Holy of Holies, when the, the center is there, and then the Ark of the Covenant. This passage of Scripture opens up that, that chest, the Ark of the Covenant, and tells us what's in there. Remember, the Ark of the Covenant is the agreement that God made with people, the picture of Christ. But then, in Christ, what does God say and agree to? Well, look what's in there. It says, in verse 4, about the, about the Ark of the Covenant, wherein was the golden pot that had manna. That's interesting. Now God saved that pot of manna. I've always wondered what it tastes like. I think God's going to let us taste it in heaven. 
coriander seed made with honey, I think it was. I, 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 you know, I, I, I know I'm speaking out of turn here, but I think if you go down to Pell and get a Dutch letter, that's pretty close to what, <laughs> to what it tastes like. But here was this golden pot filled with manna. And when the children of Israel had nothing out in the wilderness and no food, God says, I'm going to supply your food. And he gave them manna for 40 years. Now, the amazing thing about manna was this, if you think about it. They didn't have to take any vitamins with it. They didn't have to eat anything. This was a total nutritious food. Everything that the human body needed was in this manna. All cookbooks were 365 ways to serve manna. Boil it, roast it, slice it, whatever. And for 40 years, they, they ate that manna. And that manna is a picture of God made a promise to us that he would supply every need that we had. The manna then was corrupted after one day. But we know that 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 is true for today that he will supply every need because he told the children of Israel, take two omers of manna and keep it and it will be perpetual or it will not rot or stink or go bad. And the great principle that God wants us to know and to understand that he's made a promise to us that he will supply every need that we have. And as you look back on your life, you will know and you will understand and you will come to the conclusion, it's very true. He didn't say he would supply every want, but every need, if you truly needed it, as a child of God, he would supply it. He's independent, but he would like for us to know that we are absolutely dependent on him at all times. That golden pot, symbol of royalty and man of God's food for his children. But my God shall supply every need he has in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful text. What a wonderful verse. Well, now that we got the lid of the Ark of the Covenant open, there's something else in there. We got the incense burning, the Ark of the Covenant, which is the picture of Christ, and it's open. You have that golden pot of manna, and then you notice here, 
in verse number 4, was Aaron's rod that budded. They've just a stick. It's a picture of man. There's no power in that stick. But when God was in that stick, there was great power. And Aaron took that rod and he waved it over Egypt and the plagues come. He waved that rod over the Red Sea and it parted. That rod is a picture of God's power that is available to his children. The fact is, you and I don't have enough power to run a church, to run a family, to run a business. We've got to have the power of God in our lives or we're just lost. We're done. We're finished. And so it's available to us. How in the world can you explain if the power of God and the supply of God, how do you explain Mueller's orphanage? How do you explain the power of God in, in um, Hudson's Taylor China Inland Mission? How do you explain D.L. Moody, who couldn't even... D.L. Moody was, we would call him, almost uneducated. He couldn't spell at all. Awful, and yet nobody in his great, great ministry, he raised the United States and England up higher spiritually than anybody. Where did he get that? He got that power from God. And God wants us to know that that power is available to us in that Ark of the Covenant. Doesn't the Bible say, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Call unto me. And I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jeremiah writes that to us in chapter 33 and verse number 3. And so in that Ark of the Covenant, the agreement that God has that he'll do for us, we have not only a golden pot with manna in it, he'll supply every need. Not only do you have Aaron's rod in there, but you have something else. Look what it says. Last part of verse number 4, Hebrews 9. And the tables of the covenant. What is that? Well, that's, that's the Ten Commandments that God wrote on stone. It's a symbol of the Word of God. You know, we're so blessed and you and I have a copy on it. We don't think much about it. But did you know that what you have in your hand or in your lap is the most stable thing in all of the universe? Yes. And you never think about that. 
But Jesus Christ said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. And so God wanted us to know the closest thing to his heart for us is his word. He has covenanted to us never to lie to us. He has covenanted to us that he would never deceive us. He has covenanted to us. He made it on stone, not on paper. A permanent thing. The word of God. It is forever sealed. And it's for us. So that we can know God. Know what he expects. Know what he will do. Know what displeases him. Knows how we can get right with God so that we can know how we can be saved. It's all found in this book. And in that Ark of the Covenant were the tablets of stone. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. But lest we miss something here. Let's close this ark up. But on top of it was the mercy seat. Now, mercy seat is not a chair. We say it's the county seat. I mean, that's the place of authority. That's the place where the foundation of the rules for that county or whatever. That mercy seat is the cause of all those things in the Ark of the Covenant being ours. And on that mercy seat, this priest went in behind that veil once a year. And on that mercy seat, he took the blood of a lamb and he put it on that mercy seat, which is a picture of Jesus Christ. And we can have all those things in that Ark of the Covenant simply because Jesus Christ made it possible for God to covenant with us. And without that mercy seat, there's nothing. There's nothing for us. And so that mercy speak. Seat there speaks of the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The bulls of blood, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. But closest to the heart of God, 
is mercy. Mercy. Grace and mercy. And the blood of Christ was there so that the rest of those things in the ark could be ours. The blood of Jesus Christ, now it says the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. And so when that, so when that high priest went in and he sprinkled that blood of that animal on that mercy seat, it didn't save anybody, folks. It was not one person that got saved doing that. What it really was saying was this. We're going to put it on our a charge account and somebody else is coming by to pay the sin debt. And so that blood was just symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, the Bible says, hear me now, the Bible says that just the high priest could go in once a year. Nobody else. I just got through reading the book of Exodus. And they were talking about the garments of the high priest and on there there had to be bells. You ever read that? Had, had to be bells on there. So, well now let me ask you something. You're the high priest and you have to go behind the veil that day and meet God. You going to be nervous? Going to have trepidation? Your blood pressure going to go up? Of course. But he went behind that veil, and as long as the bells were ringing, the people knew he was alive. And I've told you before, what if he dies in there because he had sin in his life and God judged him in there? Who volunteers to go get him? You say, nobody. That's right. That's why they put a rope on him. As long as they could hear the bells, everything was okay. If he died in there, we'll pull him out. But you know the text. Only one person, the, the high priest, could go in once a year. This four to inch, four to six inch veil stands between normal people and the high priest. <coughs> or between normal people and God. The high priest is just allowed to go. But when Jesus Christ dies, you know the text. He says, it is 
completed or finished. And at that moment, that four to six inch veil is ripped apart from the top to the bottom. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And now he says, we're priests. We can go on in. We can go in the presence of God. All because of Jesus Christ. But you know, I'll let you go here. Boy, I should have let you go a long time ago. I do have an excuse. I cannot see that clock. <laughs> Sir? <laughs> yeah. That's... But did you know now, Book of Corinthians said, that your bodies are the temple of God. Now think here. If the Holy of Holies is what God wanted close to him, if my, my thinking is correct, I'm not sure it is. But if it is, if those are the things that are closest to God's heart, the prayers of his people, that he, he would supply every need, that he would have give us power, the word of God. If we're now the temple of God, should we have the same loves that God does? Shouldn't we love the word of God? Shouldn't we love to be in his presence? Shouldn't we... Shouldn't we be dependent on him to supply every need? I think so. I think so. So my dear, dear friends here, what God has chosen to surround himself with in the holiest of holies is proving the wonderful love of Jesus Christ for us. May we learn that lesson well and apply it to our own hearts.